0: hello everyone welcome to the digital nordic creatives a podcast that informs entertains and inspires designers to share knowledge and promote each other dear listeners welcome back to our fourth episode this time we attended a special conference called ux camp copenhagen where we met a bunch of like-minded and cool people one of them was the closing keynote speaker Aral Balkan. He's a designer, coder and cyborg rights activist. As the co-founder of Indie, a non-profit that's exploring the development of a personal website platform for people, Aral has taken on the fight of spreading awareness of ethical design, healthier business models and human rights in the age of the internet. He inspired us with his keynote speech and has much more to tell us about it. So I will let him introduce himself to you. Here is the interview with Aral. Aral, please tell me a little bit about your background and how were you educated, and what brought you to who you are today.
1: Right. Okay. Um, okay. So, in a nutshell. Um, I grew up as a third culture kid, a uh, little white kid growing up in Malaysia, uh, hugely spoiled, very privileged, uh, complete brat. Um, and so it's been a very long journey, I think, from there to increasingly becoming aware of my own privileges. Um, and I think everyone has these, you know, if you're lucky enough to be privileged, and uh, probably the people listening to this podcast in the Scandinavian region will be, um, you have these moments in your life where you become aware of your privilege. You become aware that maybe you are benefiting from an unjust society and you never thought about it because it was so transparent to you that, of course, Um, but you become aware of it. And I think that's when you have a choice to make, whether you say, well, this is not fair. This is not fair for other people in society, um, but I'm benefiting from it. So, okay, I'm going to turn a blind eye and keep doing it. Or you say, I don't agree with this. And so maybe I'm going to try and Change that. So it's been a very long process for me, um, starting out from a position of pure privilege and then becoming aware of it, becoming uh, understanding that I'm not comfortable with it, um, and realizing, I think, uh, as I, as I start getting older, that it's in none of our interests. The inequality in the world is in none of our interests. It doesn't matter even if you're benefiting from it today, it's, it creates an unsustainable world. And so, in the longer term, it's not in any of our interests. So, you know, um, studying critical media theory at university mm-hmm. was a big push in that direction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, reading Chomsky and, and feminist readings, um, another area in which, you know, of course, I, I, I was made aware of my privilege at the time. Um, and so it's been a very, very long process. And in terms of technology, I just started when I was seven years old, programming you know making games because my dad brought home a computer Mm -hmm. and because if you're a little boy you know you're more uh, likely to be given a computer Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: again because of all of these kind of patriarchal systems that we have Um, and I just started making games for myself uh, very much in a uh, I guess uh, just for my pleasure Mm -hmm. you know Um, and later on when I started making things that other people started to use started becoming aware that the experiences that I create are very important because they can determine whether somebody has a good day or a bad day, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I started becoming really aware of the importance of experiences. Because if you think about it, our lives are a string of experiences and then we die, right? So the quality of those experiences matters. Um, And for a long time, that's what I was advocating for, you know, the building of great experiences to improve people's lives naively assuming that, of course, that's all we would be doing, that we wouldn't be building these shiny traps built to, you know, addict people with these great experiences so that they could be held in place while they were being farmed, like livestock in factory farms, Mm -hmm. which is what the business model of Google and Facebook are. So then uh, the Snowden revelations were a big turning point. It made it impossible not to think about these things. Um, And that's when I really decided to devote myself, because I also understood that we were being lied to, you know, and I heard my own words being used in terms of experience design from the head of experience uh, at, at Google. And I knew that when she was talking about it, she was talking about something completely different. She was talking about building that trap, not the machine that helps people. You know, the mm-hmm. machine that traps and addicts and and, and call them sticky experiences like flypaper. You know, even our terms are horrible. They're horrible <laughs> if you think about them. Um, so it was this long process, mm-hmm. which finally brought me to realizing that Look, um, building great experiences isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the business models have to be ethical. The reason why we're doing these things has to be ethical so that we're building tools that empower people, not tools that uh, entrap people and exploit them and extract from them.
0: And you, you talked a lot about this in your speech as well, yeah. about people farming yes. uh, and about surveillance capitalism. Yeah. Um, where was the turning point that made you realize this is where we're going and we need to change this.
1: Well, I mean, like I said in my talk, it's not where we're going, it's where we are now. And we have to, we have to understand that. Um, we are living in surveillance capitalism. That is the system we live in right now. Can we build a different path forward? That's what really uh, interests me. Um, but the point where, you know, again, it wasn't one point as many, many points, becoming increasingly aware of the business model of how Mm -hmm. Google and Facebook make money, what that's based on. Mm -hmm. Um, Because no matter how much they say they care about your privacy, uh, if, for example, Google uh, stopped violating your privacy tomorrow, it would go bankrupt, because that's how it makes money. So Mm -hmm. you know that that's public relations when they say they care about your privacy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do care about it, but they care about violating it. Um, So it was... You know, these steps, and like I said, the Snowden revelations were a big Mm -hmm. turning point for me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's
0: where you decided that you want to be the advocate for...
1: Well, and and that's why I call myself not an advocate, but an activist Mm -hmm. and cyborg rights activist. That's not meant to be a futuristic-sounding term. Um, There's a reason behind it, because I see um, us as human beings today, if we use modern technology and our right not to use it should also be protected. But if you use modern technology like a phone or a a smart television or just even a fridge these days, Mm -hmm. um, you are in essence a cyborg because you're extending your biological capabilities using these technologies. Um, And in a sense, you're extending your mind by keeping aspects of yourself on uh, on these devices. And thereby it becomes crucial who owns those devices whether it's you or some corporation, mm-hmm. because that determines whether you have, um, you have personhood, whether you have sanctity of your personhood, mm-hmm. whether you have uh, integrity of your personhood, or whether that's being violated by some corporate entity that begins to own parts of you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I think it's very important, um, that's why I call myself a cyborg rights activist, because I believe that we are all cyborgs, those mm-hmm. of us that use technologies, and that you know I'm working to protect our rights, and that's why I'm not an advocate, I'm not trying to protect the rights of another group of people, Mm -hmm. Um, or I'm not a privacy advocate, as in like I'm not trying to protect privacy as an abstract concept, I'm trying to protect human rights in the digital age, which are cyborg rights.
0: And what are some of the solutions that you suggest for people to take action right here and right now to be part of this revolution?
1: Well, depending on who you are, you have different things you can do and depending on how technically savvy you are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if you just use modern technology as, as an everyday thing, you still have things you can do. Um, so no technical knowledge whatsoever, but you can make a choice with your wallet. Uh, for example, to prefer an Apple product instead of an Android product, uh, a Google Android phone. Why? Because if you buy an Apple phone and you never turn it on, you just buy it and you throw it out the window, Tim Cook is still happy, because he made his profit when you bought the phone.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, he'd be happier if you signed up for a subscription or bought some apps, but Apple makes its money by selling products to people, selling you things. They're not perfect in any way, and no multi-billion dollar corporation is your friend. You know, I have to state that. And none of them pay the taxes they should be paying. But then you look at an Android phone. If you buy an Android phone, say from Samsung, it has Google Android and Google Play on it, but you never turn it on and you throw it out the window, Google hates you because they haven't made any money. They will only start making money when you sign into Google Play and they can start farming you because that's how they make money. So even if you just use these things, understand the business model differences between the companies that sell products and sell you as a product and favor the ones that sell you products. Um, Beyond that, there are companies that are coming out. I mentioned Purism, for example, which is a company that makes computers and now they're making a phone. And they are entirely free and open source. And what that means is uh, you don't have to trust what they say about their products because you can independently audit them. If you have technical knowledge, you can do it yourself or people with technical knowledge can look at all the source code, all of the programming that goes into it, all the hardware even, and they can guarantee, independent people can guarantee that what they're saying is what they're doing and uh, so uh, they 're trying to build everyday things, everyday technology, so you know look into that. Um, I mentioned look into Mastodon instead of Twitter mm-hmm. Mastodon 's a beautifully usable, convenient uh, Twitter alternative, mm-hmm. and again it's, the convenience is very important for those of us that have technical knowledge who want to build these alternatives we can 't just build toys for ourselves because that 's existed for a long time. You know People with a lot of technical knowledge have a lot of tools. To protect themselves from a lot of what i talked about in surveillance capitalism and
0: what about people who don't have the technical well exactly
1: they're the ones that need the convenient alternatives Mm -hmm. so they're coming out you know purism macedon etc but for people um this was a design conference uh, for people in the industry who want to maybe not work for the google's and facebook's but uh build the alternatives they have to have design-led methodologies that start with the ethics of the design of their corporations. Mm -hmm. You know, if their business models are venture capital funded, then they've already lost because that's the model that funds surveillance capitalism. If uh, they have equity capital, then they could be bought by Google and Facebook at some point. Even if they're not unethical right now, if they sell to Google and Facebook, then they will be made part of the machine. So we need to fund them differently. We need to have guarantees that they can't be bought by surveillance capitalists. Um, We need to design products starting with the ethics, but then really concentrating on the experience as well, because we need to compete with the products of surveillance capitalism on the convenience. Mm-hmm. Because For people who um, don't care about the technology and shouldn't have to care about the technology, they will make their decisions based on convenience. This is not because they're stupid. This is because they might have five kids and be you know, holding two jobs, and they don't have the time. You know, mm-hmm. It's a position of privilege To say, everyone needs to know about the technical details and everybody. No, we need to make the norm, the default, a safe place.
0: What about educating younger generations?
1: Well, who's doing that right now? Facebook is in our schools. Google is in our schools. So we need to, in order to be able to um, educate the younger generations about the ethics of this, we Mm -hmm. need to stop... Uh, We need to educate maybe our policymakers and the people who are allowing Google into the schools, who are allowing Singularity University here um, to masquerade as some sort of educational institution when it's actually a lobbying arm, a public relations arm of Silicon Valley, pushing surveillance capitalism into Europe, um, but our policymakers have to be educated first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are normalizing surveillance capitalism in the classroom by allowing Facebook and Google. Yeah, I mean, I'm a there. student it's, myself, yeah. and
0: I believe uh, the dreams of my classmates are to go to Silicon Valley or build a startup.
1: And that's um, that's a that's a huge part of by
0: it. Yeah. The Mindsets Mm -hmm. and theories.
1: Yep, which are being uh, perpetuated here um, by Singularity University, right here in Copenhagen, where we're having this conversation. Um, And uh, you know, they have the ear of the prime minister here in Denmark. And uh, yeah, this is it. You know, um, I was I lived in Sweden uh, for two years up Mm -hmm. until about a month ago. I was in Malmo across the bridge. And what I noticed there, for example, was this sort of neutrality thing, you know, where it's just like, oh, yeah, what you're saying is, is really nice about ethical technology and whatever, but also, oh, yeah, Silicon Valley is really nice, too, huh? <laughs> uh, no, no, you can't do that, right? You, we have to draw a line at this point and say, look, these are not corporations that um, are a force for good. They – their core business model is opposed to our human rights, including our human right of privacy, and uh, is incompatible with democracy, because we're talking about feudal systems here. Um, and we have to see them as the adversaries that they are. They're not our friends. They're not our partners. If we're still doing public-private partnerships uh, with them at the government level, then we are legitimizing them. Mm-hmm. In my talk, I said we are like the doctors in the cigarette ads, you know, saying this is the brand of cigarette I smoke what that's the message that sends to people is that it's not harmful to smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's, it's really important that we, we also educate and hold our representatives liable as well, you know, to say, look, you're there to protect our rights. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you protecting our rights? Why mm-hmm. are you appointing an ambassador to Silicon Valley in Denmark when you should be regulating the companies in Silicon Valley because you have a democratic mandate? They don't. How are you holding them up? Why are you holding them up as equals mm-hmm. when you're a democratically elected government that should be carrying out the will of the people and you are saying a corporation is your equal? You've just basically destroyed democracy there.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned a great example at your talk about the city of Ghent yes, in Belgium. Yeah. That is one of your current projects. Yes. Um, how, how did it start up and what is the project about?
1: Well, so basically last year I was invited to give a talk there um, at their Foresight conference about the future of the city, the first one. And I was doing the opening keynote, but when I did my research um, I realized that um, they're very compatible with the sort of technical infrastructure I want to build um, in terms of what they want for the city. They want a city of people. Um, They want smart citizens not to be the Silicon Valley smart city, the panopticon. They don't want to be that. They don't want to know everything about everyone. They want their citizens to become smarter about themselves. Um, And uh, when I saw all these things, I decided to turn my keynote into a proposal for the city instead. Mm -hmm. Um, And I told them at the start, look, I'm going to propose something we can build together, because they also have their own top-level domain, .gent. And so I said, look, we can build a system where we can conveniently, beautifully get people their own place on the internet, their own place on the web, as easily as signing up for a place on Facebook, which they're renting, signing up for their identity on Facebook, where Facebook controls it, where Facebook is the man in the middle and sees all of that. We could build a system where they have their own place at their own domain, but with an onboarding experience that is as beautiful as convenient as Facebook's 30-second sign up which is not something that exists right now that's what we're working on it's a bit, it's a hard problem because you have to register a domain name you have to set up a server you need to do all of these things and they're not these um, these elements have not been architected in a va- in a vacuum so the domain name system is actually um, and the way domain names are managed it's it's the heights of capitalism you know we're talking about Lines inside of a database that say this person owns this domain but you have to pay x amount of money i mean you're just they're they're making money out of nothing with that Mm -hmm. um but that also adds complexity you have to enter your credit card blah 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 you don't do that for facebook right so these are all making the process harder Mm -hmm. because they own the top level domain then we can take away some of those and because the city is willing to sponsor domains we can take away the commerce step Um, There's so much more we can do in the future, but this is just, we're trying to build this bridge, you know, from where we are, which is a place we don't want to be, towards where we want to be, but we can't just teleport there. We need a convenient bridge for for people to be able to walk over there. You know, for people who are not expert swimmers, they need the bridge. Mm -hmm. If we expect everyone to become expert swimmers, it's not going to happen or some of them are going to drown. We need to build that bridge. That's the challenge of our time. So that's what we're trying to build in, in Ghent. Um, so it seems that the
0: revolution has already begun.
1: It began um, a long time ago. We're not the ones uh, who started it. Um, you, know, you look at Richard Stallman 30 years ago with the Free Software Foundation. Um, he was warning about all of these things back mm-hmm. then. And people thought that he was uh, you know, a tinfoil cons- conspiracist uh, or a mad person. Um, and uh, even before then, you know, we have critical media theory and the study of, of mass media. So we have a wealth of knowledge. And throughout history, there have always been people who have fought for social justice and those who have fought to, um, to disable people from achieving social justice. Um, if anything, hopefully, we can use what's unique about our time about our technologies in a positive way to magnify the right ideologies.
0: Yes, hopefully that will happen right now and in the future as well. And for all of our listeners who are interested in in knowing more about you and your articles uh, or extra uh, knowledge about the topic, could you please say uh, your contact information if they want to contact you or some sources that they should be aware of?
1: well um i'm very easy to find online um i have my own website at ar.al so if you just remember my name and you put a dot in the middle that's my website Mm -hmm. um and i'm on mastodon as well you can find a link to my mastodon there uh which is just mastodon.ar.al which -hmm. is like my own twitter.com but i can talk to everyone else's twitter.com that's how mastodon works
0: amazing
1: um and i am on twitter as well so aral um, I'm on Twitter. I'm. You can even find me on Facebook. It's not something I use very often. Um, but again, you know, sometimes people say, "Well, why are you on Twitter, on Facebook and Facebook if you don't agree mm-hmm. with surveillance capitalism?" Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of like saying, and I gave this example in my talk. It's uh, at the questions. I think um, it's kind of like saying we built all the roads and the pavements with slave labor, and if you don't agree with slavery, why are you on the road protesting slavery? Well, because it's the only infrastructure that exists right now. That's what we put all of our money into. Because we use this to blame the people that use these uh, these services, surveillance-based services. And we say, you know, they don't care about their privacy. It's not true. That's victim blaming. Uh, all of our funding, our investment has gone into building these toxic businesses. And then we tell people, don't use it if you don't uh, agree with it. That's like saying, don't take part in modern life. It's not acceptable. So you can find me on those toxic surveillance capitalist (laughs) services as well for now Mm -hmm. and the moment we have these alternatives up and running then that's going to be those are going to be things that we start switching off
0: great i i for sure i'm going to switch off um my twitter and facebook soon enough and going to the more free source awesome um, well that's how we change things one
1: person at a time
0: yeah I'm so happy that I heard your talk and I had the possibility to interview you for our listeners as well. So thank thank you so much for being in Digital Nordic Creatives. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I've been your host, Jesse. And if you totally hated this episode, tell us why. But if you enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, comment and share the positive vibes. Till next time, see ya!